Yo, what is up? You have found We Like the Blazers. And as always, I am joined by my host, but this time on the road, one Mr. Brandon Goldner. And I'm not even going to let him speak because we are meeting here today because Neil O'Shea has finally been fired. It has finally come a day 10 years in the making, which I'll give him a pass for like the first four. So six years in the making, I guess Uh, (laughs) we we were going to do a video, but you're out and about. So nobody wants to see you creepily wandering through a park, holding your phone. I had a tiny bottle of champagne ready to go that I was, that I was going to pop, but uh, Oh my God. uh, I I, I will let you start Brandon. Um, your Man. your initial reaction, your thoughts, your feelings, especially after that, uh, uh, it has been a month now that we've been sitting on this investigation, and the more time has gone by, the more we thought that he was going to keep his job. I can't tell you how I feel. It is pretty crazy. It does feel a little surreal. And look, I know there are a lot more important things in the world than basketball. I totally understand that. But as somebody who really, really likes this team, as somebody who, you know, named the podcast we like the blazers this meant a lot to me to see this morning and ryan i have to tell you i found out in probably the most 2008 way possible i was on my computer. uh that's like 2003 way possible <laughs> but you're getting close uh literally was at my computer sipping my coffee listening to the no buffs podcast which is it's a survivor recap podcast brought to you by the guys that bring you no dunks formerly the starters and i was scrolling on facebook and i saw on facebook you know that little image that the team uses as graphic design when they have like an announcement to make like an injury or a trade or whatever i do not because i'm not a grandpa and i'm rarely on there uh, they show, come on, they show it on Twitter. I mean, it's like the, the, the like when they make releases and they have a very well-designed little template and the language started, it's like, oh, there's a statement. And it said the investigation. And honestly, my first thought was, oh crap. It's going to say we've concluded the investigation and Neil Olshay is great and he's the best and he's treated people very well and we love him and he's going to stay forever and he's never going to leave his team alone. And I was like, oh my God. And then I kept reading and I realized, no way, they actually got rid of him. So, Ryan, I found out on Facebook and I was elated. How did you find out? What happened for you? <laughs> you. I found out because of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, partially. So I, I'm i just sitting there uh, happy as a clam at work, whatnot, going about my day. And then all of a sudden, I just get a text from you that, uh, let me scroll up so I can get the exact. A text? It, well, I, it just says yes. And then yes, 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 yes. And so I'm not sure if you're texting me during sex uh, to start it off. And and then it just turns into a yeah, it happened. It's over. Yes. So then again, even again, yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I text you back. I'm like, is Neil gone? And you ghost me. So I immediately turn to Twitter. And the first thing that pops up <laughs> is Chris Haynes. And I just let out this audible, like high pitched squeal. And again, I'm at work. <laughs> I'm on a construction site. There are very manly men surrounding me and in, in working on their various projects. There are m- very manly on. men and then also you. Yes, and then also me, who is squealing like a little schoolgirl who just had her crush check mark the box, yes, that he does like me. And 
I just kind of started. How I feel too. No, I going, just kind of started pacing around and I just smile from ear to ear. I'm not going to lie. I got immediate goosebumps. I kind of, I've been texting my wife slightly about this because, you know, she's a, as I've said before, she's a blazer fan, but I have killed her blazer fandom with how much I care and talk about the team, but she's still into the minutia of things that are going on. So I'm texting her about this and she's like, you have to be ecstatic." I'm like, I have goosebumps. Uh, this is easily one of the top three days of my life. Uh, I can't stop smiling. And she's like top three. Really? I'm like, yep. Kids were born. Uh, technically that's two, I guess per se, but I'm lumping it into one kids are born. <laughs> I married her and Neil O'Shea got canned today a date that will live in infamy i, I i'm i have goosebumps again talking about it now and i mean for one if you're listening to this podcast you you're probably as big of a fan as we are for two you know another thing this brings me a level of joy outside of just that it needed to happen so that we're not so pigeonholed with this guy who was just dead set in his ways. And if he would have had to course correct from a mistake that he made, like he would never do it because it would be admitting he made a mistake. But like, I have been so apathetic about this team for like the last two and a half weeks. And like, I used to, it used to be appointment viewing any game, 82 plus games a year. I'd sit down. My wife would ask before she made plans to the Blazers play that night, you know, and if we were out and about, I'm streaming a game on my phone or I'm finding a way to watch it, or I'm wandering away from the group to go find the sports screen. That hasn't happened in like the last week, week and a half, two weeks, you know, not even counting the holidays. It's just been a, ah, oh, if, if it's a close game, I'll go back yeah. and rewatch it. And so this now it, it, I think a lot of people felt that way. And it, so this literally kind of breathes a new life into like my, I'm willing to hang around. And I mean, as you just said, I mean, a lot of people were starting to feel that way. I know you texted me and you're like, I'm actually not that up on stuff. Like when we were planning our original podcast recording, I mean, do you feel the same way I do? Yeah, no, I, I feel a different level of investment in this team than I have in years past. And that different level is slightly less. It's not just that the team's not doing well. It is. It's the organizational incompetence. It's hard to root. It's hard to root for a team where the person who has the most power is an unseemly, uh, reportedly abusive, just not a good person who also is not particularly good at their job. And so, yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I felt a little bit less invested this year than years past, but I want to go back to something you said about like how it feels like this is like your crush ticking the box that says, I like you. Yeah. I kind of feel like I feel this way. I bet other fans feel this way. This kind of feels like Jody Allen ticking the box for Blazers fans saying, I like you because literally Everybody I know, to with no exception, at this point, wanted Neil Olshay gone. And there was a lot of, uh, <laughs> there had been a lot of kind of cross-reporting about whether or not he was actually going to survive this investigation or not. Like, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I thought that's been pretty interesting how that's been changing. I mean, quick, even just yesterday on his weekly radio hit with Isaac and Souk on 1080, uh, before the game, he hopped on there and, and he was saying, you know, this is, this has gone on long enough. He goes, and I'm starting to ask around and the responses from people I'm getting that are in the know, well-connected sources are starting to say that Neil's going to survive this. And I think, uh, Danny Morang on, uh, and Brandon Sprague had alluded to such things on, on the Jack Ramsey's podcast. And, you know, we all kind of got that sense too. I mean, we can read the tea leaves. It's, 
you know, if you need to find an excuse, you know, the whole for cause kind of thing, the, the excuse was there and it doesn't take a hundred plus people, uh, to find, you know, that he violated a, you know, the, the team's code of conduct and, and so whatnot, or, or was actually, wait, can, we, can we pick on that for a second? Yeah. 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 Uh, go ahead. Or keep, yeah. Sorry. No, it's, it, this is a lot easier to do when I'm safely at my computer and we have video, we can kind of cue each other. So I apologize. It's were you just standing in the field, raising your hand, hoping that I would see as usual? No. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the middle of the fairway of hole seven here at blue Lake disc golf park. And luckily no one is here to hear me, especially at the beginning when I was yelling and screaming, uh, I got the course to myself, Ryan. It's pretty beautiful. Uh, not so, the no. first podcast I've ever conducted with somebody on a golf course. Except for this is a disc golf course. So it's even better. Stranger, no, both like, individuals named Brandon. That's that is kind of creepy, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no, I wanted to pick at that a little bit to say that, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth noting that in that announcement that I saw from the team that was shared on Facebook and other social media platforms, it did say that the reason why he was being let go was because he violated the team's policies. I don't think that's a small thing. Well, I don't I, think it's a true thing. You don't think it's a true thing? If this was solely about him violating code of conduct, I go back to what I said and that it wouldn't oh, have no, taken so many people and wouldn't, and wouldn't have taken this long. I do think that there is something to the fact that Jody Allen did sit in an arena last night with Burt Cold and watch the Blazers get their ass handed to him by the Spurs, who suck. And looks up in the and looks up in the arena, looks up in the arena and sees the place half full, while knowing that you could get in the door for oh, that game okay. for four dollars and fifty cents. That Yo, also somebody, plays a part. Somebody in was it. giving away. Someone was giving away one hundred section row B tickets. That's nearly courtside giving them away. Okay, yeah, that, that's a good point. I, yes, I think that the organization had seen how much damage Olshay had caused and continuing to cause by remaining in power. So I agree with that. Like, I thought you were going to say, Oh, they lost so badly that she decided to fire him right there. Oh, no, like, she no, doesn't care about team's like, performance. She cares about money. So, and also like, regardless of the motivation behind it. And, you know, I know there's a whole nother conversation about where do we go from here? Jody Allen made the right decision. And I think she deserves credit for that as loudly as I was criticizing that Newell Shea had not been fired. He is now fired that it, the reporting that was coming in was suggesting he was going to survive this. And he did not. And I do think that's important. And again, like, I'm not saying it's because, you know, it's like some altruistic, like, you know, good faith thing by her. I just think that we need to give credit where it's due. It was the right decision. And man, Twitter was just alive with the sound of music this morning. I know that you, I, I started a Twitter space, just kind of impromptu, like an old Shea celebration. He's been fired Twitter space. We had like several dozen people in there. Uh, you were there. We had Steve DeWall from Blazers Edge was there. We had Dia uh, from Blazers Edge popped in for a bit. We had Keith from the Trailcasters. And uh, look, Ryan, like everybody, everybody is happy about this. Everyone's in a good mood. It's the great. It's like, the last this is time, the highlight of the last several years. The last time no, that sorry, I can yeah. remember the Blazers community being this connected and in this much of an agreement on something was when we drafted Damian Lillard. And even then there were still like 
some minuscule detractors about the guy from, you know, the small college of Weber state. But for the most part, everyone was, that's, that's the guy. That's who we wanted. I mean, we had long been chasing the point guard of the future. This is the most unified I have seen this fan base. And and I know that there were a lot of people that are, that were pro Olshay guys and whatnot and our girls and, and very vocal about it. But even them had to tip their hat and go, okay, well, clean slate. Let's move on. Let's see what we can do. And so not a lot of shit talking coming out from anybody. But yeah, this it was it was magical. And, you know, I think we uh, we joked earlier about that. Well, what are we going to do with the podcast notes that we had? Well, they got turned into confetti for the parade. And I'm actually not I'm actually surprised that nobody has legitimately planned a get together anywhere in Portland. Like has yeah. anybody, <laughs> while you're out and about, can you go drive by Moda center just to make sure that there's not like a small gathering of people down there that we need to go hang out with? <laughs> I did suggest that like the people, I mean, you mentioned that the Moda center has been pretty empty by any you know historical standards for Portland, that people should buy tickets to tomorrow's game against the Celtics pack the Moda make a visual representation on how people are happy when the organization makes good decisions. And this is a really good decision in a needed one. I don't know. I just, I, again, there's a lot to get to a lot to picture and like a lot of kind of, where do we go from here? But honestly, in this moment, I just feel really, really good. Yeah. And to, to touch on some stuff that, that deals with like the immediate reactionness of it, you know, I, I think I brought it up in the Twitter space, but the more I, more I thought about it, the more I think I'm wrong, you know, uh, was it uh, Jim? Uh, it's, it's Cronin or Cornyn. I think Cornyn, I think I mispronounced his name earlier, but he's the interim GM right now. It doesn't sound like he's in play to get the the final job spot, but I had I had made the joke of like, all right, over under for how long, how long until CJ's traded. But the more I think about it, uh, and and this, GM? yeah, yeah. The, but the more I think about it, it's it, anybody who's expecting that just because Neil's gone now moves can be made. I don't think we're going to see a single damn thing happen to the team until a new GM gets in here because. Uh-huh. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, that's fine. I I would be more than happy to be wrong, but if you're going to try to pitch, pitch some guys to come in here and be able to rebuild a team, one of the things like the, when these kind of moves happen, GMs like to come in, especially if they're not like promoted from within, but they they're fresh and, and new and they come in, they always want their stuff and their guys. Well, they don't get to pick their coach because we're currently paying one coach to not coach. And we just started paying a coach for the first year of a five-year deal. So now Maybe they the, can set a record for number of coaches being paid at one time. <laughs> I want to say that's like four. And I think the Knicks did it a while ago, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, um, but no. And so that leaves uh, what's enticing to a new GM is that he gets to try to assemble the best team that he can around Dame in his image. So I think there might be a little bit of you, you'd hurt, you'd hurt the ability to compete. You'd hurt the, the product you'd hurt the, you know, the marketability. If the interim just starts shipping off pieces wholesale and then the new guy gets in and he's like, what, 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 well, wait a minute. what the hell you took all the toys that I had to play with in the toy chest. Now I can't build my Lego set. Here's my argument is I'm making a couple of assumptions. One of them is that Damian Lillard still wants to be in Portland. Yes. The second one is that Damian, the second one is that Damian Lillard wants to see some movement. And then the third one is that the organization part of why they let go of Neil O'Shea was his unwillingness 
to make the kinds of moves that would satisfy Damian Lillard and frankly maximize his prime. So my argument, I said this in the spaces this morning, if the organization is convinced like 99% of NBA analysts are that you have to trade CJ McCollum, then I think even the interim GM has the organizational support to do that. And that could potentially happen. Not today, not tomorrow, but I think that could happen. Plus not only that, you have a matzo ball of a trade partner just hanging out there on the East Coast. You have a man named Ben Simmons who wants out of Philadelphia, and it's been reported that Philly and Portland have talked about those trades. Like, I know they're not yet in agreement. I honestly think that some of the reason why that has not happened is because Neil O'Shea didn't want to trade CJ McCollum. So if you have an organization who's willing to do it, then maybe an interim GM who is more willing to, again, just see the writing on the wall, the Dave and CJ pairing, I think it is possible. Okay. I, I guess I'll give you that. Like if say that there had been a, you know, not even a Ben Simmons thing, but like any trade or whatnot that, you know, fact finding was done on and it got an approval, you know, but Neil O'Shea was the only one who didn't pull the trigger on it. Then yes, I could see an interim GM pull, pulling that move. But I, I do think that it would, I, I, it would hinder the team's ability to attract a, a good upcoming GM. And we've already got names that are being floated out there. And, and ironically now some hit pieces that are already being put out. Like, uh, I think, um, uh, Eric Griffith started pointing out some stuff with, uh, dealing with Danny Ainge and, uh, and some of his political views and, and whatnot. And so that kind of soured a little bit on him, but I mean, that, that's a whole conversation for a different day. Uh, one interesting little nugget that I heard, and I'm going to, I'm going to give credit to the, to the guy that I heard it from. It was talked about on dirt and Sprague this morning, uh, because this news broke right as they got off the air and apparently they were in the hallway and their boss came up and said, Hey, Olshay just got canned. Do you guys want to hop back on the air real quick instead of us cutting to the national ESPN feed? <laughs> so they hopped on for another hour and they had, uh, Eric Gunderson, uh, you know, people may know him as blazer banter, um, on Twitter or whatnot, host the bulls, bulls versus blazers podcast. And, uh, does, does a lot of writing for some various outlets, but he had the anecdote that that as of late and he, it finally dawned on him yesterday that he hadn't been seeing Damian Lillard come in to get his, his solo shots up in the practice facility in a little while. Well, come to find out that anytime Neil O'Shea was in the practice facility, Damian Lillard would avoid it if he could and would instead go to Moda and get shots up. And so that even happened yesterday where Neil O'Shea got into the office. Dame was scheduled. Wait, how, to long, how long has that been happening? Is that just about him managing his injury and where like the training staff are? Or is that the training? Like, I don't want no, the training staff were uh, as Eric tells the story. I mean, all the training staff and whatnot are in the practice facility. Players are coming in and getting their treatment and whatnot. This is during the day, morning hours. This is not like, you know, a midnight thing of, you know, he just didn't want to force people to get out of the bed, but this has been an ongoing training trend at various times during the season while they are at home. If Olshay is in the office, Damian Lillard would not come to the facility. Wow. I honestly like, I'm not trying to make like a mountain out of a molehill, oh, but I ahead. know that's only, Oh, yeah. go for it. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, go ahead because Eric was more than happy to point everyone to the mountain. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think that that's a meaningful anecdote if that's true. And again, like I'm trying to be 
imaginative that there might be reasons for that other than like Damian Lillard trying to avoid Neil O'Shea. But if that's true, I think that does mean a lot. And also I, I don't, you and I talked a lot about this, all the reporting that came out during the summer about what Damian Lillard wanted from the team, how he was saying it, where the reporting was coming from. It was very clear. There was a power struggle between Damian Lillard and Olshay, at least to some extent. And that power struggle has now been clarified. Yeah. And so one, I think everyone's happy about that. Yeah. And it ties into as well. I mean, the Jason quick had the reporting, uh, after this news broke that said that, you know, when Olshay was meeting with and talking with Burt cold and Jody Allen last night after the game, that there was zero, zero indication that he was going to be losing his job and that he found out this morning, um, shortly, shortly before the rest of us, but Jody Allen and Burt Cold met with other high, high ups in the Blazer organization, as it was put, and and informed them last night that Olshay would be losing his job. So take that as I mean, you to be fair, that's- take that as you will. I mean, there's probably some house cleaning there, but uh, would it surprise you to know that now, technically, the most powerful man in their person in the Trailblazers organization that's not writing everybody's checks that they met and chatted with Dame and maybe they talked with Neil and then they went and talked with Dame and were like, how do you feel? You know, cause we, we have the ability to, if we want to do this with cause and do it the right way, what are your thoughts and feelings? And if he just aired his grievances and said, all right, fine, get rid of the fucking guy. <laughs> you have my blessing. Maybe that's all it took. I think that's possible. Uh, I mean, at a minimum, do I think that Damian Lillard was either, consulted about this or at at a minimum, was he informed? Yes. At a minimum, he was informed. Was he consulted? Like was his opinion about this taken into consideration? It's hard. It's hard to assume that it wasn't like it's, it's so yeah. And I think, I think, you know, Mike Richmond said at the lockdown blazer podcast, go follow him. If you're not already, he said what we're all thinking and what we're kind of dancing around. Like Damian Lillard is the most powerful person in the trailblazers organization. As of right now, mm-hmm. other than Jody Allen, it's true. Like that's like the blazers are hitching their wagon to Dame star. And look, that's not without risk. I mean, Dame is in his early thirties. He may be past his prime. He's dealing with a chronic injury that only seems to have gotten worse. But having said that, he's also arguably the best player in franchise history. And so I think this is the right move. And again, like obviously Everyone in Portland right now, if you're a Blazers fan, is happy about this. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And I do think the big question is, like, how quickly will you see the roster be changed? And Mm I... Like you're pretty pessimistic that anything's going to happen anytime soon. Well, I'm also partly thinking too, that maybe there was a little bit of getting their ducks in a row per se. And that's why this did maybe take long or so long, you know, there could have also been that they knew that they needed to put out some feelers, do some fact finding, maybe do some reaching out behind the scenes to some of these guys that whose names are being floated out there. Um, to, to gauge an interest level and, you know, mix that with what I had said earlier about, you know, seeing a, a monetary impact, Jody Allen being able to visualize, you know, all the $6 seats basically that were left open. But yeah, so maybe, maybe there was some getting ducks in a row too that played into it. And then it wasn't just fully a 
culmination of, of last night and everything else. Maybe they, you know, have had a conversation with Danny Ainge, Tayshawn Prince. Uh, uh, let me see who else was it? Uh, Mark Eversley, uh, Scott Perry or Brent Berry, who Perry and Barry anyways, you know, maybe they've had little conversations, little conversations with them and, and, you know, like a pre interview kind of thing and, and got some ducks in a row. And now that he's gone, they can quickly move this process along so that they can get shit done and stabilize the franchise. Well, let's quickly talk about that. And I know that we're going to talk more about this later as things come into view, but of those names you, you mentioned, you have Tayshawn Prince is like an assistant front office person with Memphis. You had the, the current GM of the bulls, the current GM of the Knicks, Danny Ainge, who was the longtime GM of the Celtics until somewhat recently. And then you threw out one more name who I can't place. Is there anyone in that group though, that you are like, yes, like, that should be the person or anyone that jumps out the other way where it's like, no, that should definitely not be the person. Uh, let me see if I just want, I doing some quick fact checking. The, and you the, don't, I mean, you don't have to have an opinion. I know some people are pretty opinion. Yeah. Opinionated no, about doing name specifically. I, I like Mark, uh, Mark Eversley, you know, general, as you had said, he's the one general manager of the Chicago bulls. He's got ties to the area. He was a Nike guy before the bulls hired him away from Nike. Um, he's, he's younger. Um, also, I mean, not that I think that, uh, okay, hold on, but I back my words up here. Cause I just almost said something that was, that would have come off horribly, but, uh, he's also an African-American male. So, I mean, that, that automatically does help make you relatable to players. And we have an African-American coach and, you know, it's, I think it's good that there's more diversity in the league. I'm not, I don't think there are many, uh, um, ethnic or, um, or people of color that currently hold GM positions, but there are, also, there are a lot of white executives around the NBA. Let's say that. Yeah. Insert my shock face here. Um, but also, you know, he played a big part in look at what the bulls are doing this year. You know, the I, people joke about it all the time. And I, and I, I know the, uh, Sean Hyken likes to say it. And, um, and so does Eric Gunderson, but, uh, the bulls are legit back this year. And a big part of it is because of the moves that he orchestrated and, and helped put into place. So get a guy like that, maybe overpay because we famously know that Jerry Krause is a, uh, is an absolute cheapskate. Uh, so buy him out, but he's probably my number one. If I got to go with number two, Danny Ainge, just because he did successfully build a championship team with the Celtics and he does have ties to the area. Uh, I don't necessarily know, you know, after learning a little more about him, if his, uh, if, if some of his beliefs and philosophies fully tie in with uh, how a lot of the Portland fan base uh, is. So I, I'm, I'm not sure if that's necessarily a fit, but those, those are probably easily my top two. Brent Berry is a weird one for me. Cause I just can't, get him being a, a TV commentator out of my head. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Billups is a TV commentator. Steve Kerr was a TV commentator, right? Like, I mean, I know that they are both coaches now. I, so less than any individual for me. And I think this is not, you know, groundbreaking analysis. Someone who has a demonstrated history of being able to make moves it's really that simple, right? Like that mm -hmm. as a Blazers fan, if you want to keep Dame in Portland for the rest of his career, that's what we're going to need to see. So I actually, some people are like, Oh, I want fresh blood. I honestly, in this position, I would value somebody who's demonstrated that they're able to shift pieces around because that is what they need to do. And it needs to happen pretty fast. I mean, the clock is really running oh, out yeah. on this tough situation to walk into.
Yeah. And I, I agree with everything you just said, but that's also kind of why I like Eversley because he is kind of fresh blood in the GM management world. It's not, you're not just retreading, you know, all these guys, you know, who have been part of this boys club forever or whatnot, but he also has demonstrated to be able to make moves, you know, to TBD on if, you know, the bulls could pull it off in the East or whatnot, but right now they're a good and dangerous and balanced team. So I, I, I like what he's done there. And I think he, he definitely has a lot more in the cover to work with coming to Portland than he did when he started tinkering around with the bulls. But so So, unless there's anything else you want to get off your chest here, Brandon, I think we can wrap up our quick reaction. Okay, fine. No, we're going to be here for another hour as I keep wandering around blue Lake. Uh, I wanted to ask one more thing. Okay. Do you think that this, so the Blazers play tomorrow. I, I hope I can get this out on Friday. The Blazers play tomorrow in Portland. They play the Celtics. The Blazers body language has looked bad. Their energy has not been good. Do you think that Neil Olshay being fired will create a weird bounce back effect for the players on the court? Do you think that matters to them? Mm, No, I can't. I don't, I don't see it having that effect. I think that's going to show up tomorrow. I, I, yeah. Still fun. Come on, man. It's it's not going to come out and spank them by 50. I mean, I know the Celtics are going through some shit right now, but their two best players are wings and ours are not. And one of ours is on the bench and one of our better, more athletic wings is also on the bench. And we don't know the status of ant anybody expecting that this is going to be like a win one for the Gipper kind of thing. And, and infuse energy in, into this is, eh, I, I don't know. I can't get on board with that train. Not tomorrow. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> I think that's fair. I just, I think it would be really, really, really funny. And it would be a pretty major indictment of Olshay if this crippled Blazers team comes out and just like looks magically different the second he's been fired. I'm, so I kind of hope, I, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to happen. But- I mean, maybe if the Moda Center is packed, if if everybody goes and, you know, part of the, they've been, you know, boycotting for various reasons, a lot, you know, some of it from the Chauncey Billups hiring, but a lot of it dealing with Neil O'Shea, you know, not giving a crap and being an asshole. Moda Center's packed. Who knows? Maybe they could also, maybe the fans could inject some energy in there and, and, and lift the guys up. Cause it, it's I hope it de- does. I think it'd be amazing. It's definitely easier to feed off the energy. Yeah. It's definitely easier to feed off the energy of uh, 19,000 plus than it is like the, uh, the 14,000 that, uh, that we've had in there. Anyways, we'll wrap it up here. This is yeah, our quick actually, reaction. Part of our notes, part, Go ahead. Part of our notes was about attendance around the NBA and the Blazers are not doing well. We'll talk more on a different podcast. Sorry yeah, we'll, for being outside and thank you. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go back to your regularly scheduled depressing Blazers programming uh, next week. <laughs> but for now, it's, it's, a, it's a moment of joy. It's a moment of celebration. It is an official... An official changing of of, uh, of the guard in, in Blazers management. But uh, go ahead, like, rate, review, subscribe, all, all that fun stuff. Uh, follow us on uh, Like the Blazers on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at the Witty Ryan. You can follow Brandon at uh, Goldner PDX. And uh, yeah, until next time, go Blazers.